Hi, I'm Mayor McManus, and you were listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing great. It's good to be here today. I love your background. And um, we also have with us Brooke and Austin joining us again. Hello. They are, they are here with it. It's good to have you back, Brooke. You were gone for a week. You were in Nashville uh, at the Dove Awards. How was Woo! it? It was awesome. We are going to win in the future. <laughs> That's cool. That's a good way of saying it's not a competition. It's not a competition. It was literally, literally a competition, <laughs> but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It's actually a competition. That's right. I told Mariah, I remember when I went to um, the, my first uh, book awards and my book lost to a dictionary, <laughs> <laughs> to an encyclopedia of terms. And that's when I realized I was probably never going to win a lot of Christian awards. <laughs> so savage (laughs) okay so here we go uh it's friday and we are one week away from launching something that is quite possibly one of our favorite things that we do um but before we get into it we're going to talk all about it we're going to talk about why we're doing it what we're doing and how we're going to do it and we want everybody to be involved and we're going to give a little bit of like a little taste a little taste of the thing we're talking about that's releasing next friday but until then we just started a patreon and the Patreon's interesting because we just broke 200 Patreons, which is kind of exciting. Wow. I got a little. Thank you, I got, guys. I got, it's That's kind of amazing. It went from like 34 Welcome. to 200 so fast. It went from like six. Like my mom, my mom doesn't even subscribe. My mom doesn't even subscribe. I was going to say my mom, but my mom's like not even supportive. Your sister um, doesn't subscribe either. <laughs> no, she does not subscribe. She doesn't listen to this podcast. This isn't for her. It's okay. Uh, but really grateful for the, I think it's like 220 people subscribe or turn five people, turn seven mm. people. Someone just, someone just subscribed. That's kind of exciting. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. We've gotten good feedback, bad feedback, overall good feedback, but I'm actually like really excited about the Patreon crew. You know, the, the guys from the minimalist were talking to us about it and it, it's a unique way to kind of create a space where you can connect on a deeper level. I'm not sure that we're going to put out episodes on it every week, but already we have, I think, three or four unreleased episodes that yeah. don't exist anywhere else. So if you're, you know, if you enjoy Battle Ready, you want to get some more of it, go and check it out. If you just want to support and be a part of the podcast, check it out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Battle Ready Podcast. It's kind of cool. Woo! Yeah, no, part of what I love about it is that we've done this for five years and never created really a mechanism for people to give or to invest or to say thank you. And Patreon really has been something that people have been asking for. They've been asking for a way that they can give. They've been asking for a way they can support uh, Battle Raid. They've been asking for a way they could uh, support us getting this conversation out to the world. And uh, I just love the fact that there were so rapidly 200 people who said, we really love this. We believe in it. We want to help you guys get um, the message out to other people. And, and, and I know when I'm really committed to something and I love something and I value it, I just wanted to be a part of it. And I, I love making a contribution. I love um, being an investor. And so um, one, I just I want to thank everyone who has reminded us that we're not doing this alone, that we're doing this together, and that, um, that we have a great community who's so supportive. And I just want to express my, um, my thanks. This is exciting. Okay, so moving on. I have a couple of different things that we could talk about, obviously, this morning. There is so much stuff about Kanye and Balenciaga dropping Kanye from all of its fashion shows all over the the country and the world. Uh, He walked the fashion show. He opened their most recent fashion show 
uh, a couple of weeks ago in Paris. They cut all the photos. They took him out. He doesn't exist. He got scrubbed. Um, and then uh, I guess Caring, which is like the mother company, who I'm guessing Bernardo no, uh runs and owns, uh, basically said they're not working with Kanye and no one's working with Kanye from any other brands. And then this morning, uh, Gap has pulled all product from Yeezy, from all their stores, and Adidas has said that they are breaking their contract. They're basically keeping all the rights to the shoes and to the designs and that Kanye is no longer and Yeezy is no longer a part of the Adidas family. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I don't know if we want to talk about it. I know ultimately we want to get into, we want ultimately we want to set up the stage to talk about the newest art of communication. All right. Which conspiracy theory is to be believed? One side of this is... What do you mean? No, the anti-Semitic comments are... It doesn't matter what conspiracy is real or not real. The moment you crossed the line and said some, and the moment Kanye West crossed the line and said some anti-Semitic comments, that is ultimately the decision maker in that. Process. Yes, yes. No, but but here, here, no. Here's the conspiracy theory: is that that he, he wanted out of the contract, and he was being as as crass and anti-Semitic and um, repugnant as humanly possible to get Adidas to drop him or the conspiracy theory that he believed they would never drop him. And he was proving that he could say anything he wanted and would never be dropped or a third bizarre theory that because of Adidas's history of emerging out of really Nazism from its founder, that he was trying to call them out for their own hypocrisy. It, it's bizarre. that so many different subtexts in the middle of all of this. You're saying conspiracy theories. I haven't read the third one, though Adidas is a German company that was started, I believe, post-World War II. Um, so, of course, there's stuff there, but I don't know if that's... Um, I don't really know. I obviously don't know the people who own Adidas. People I know that work for Adidas are Americans. They're from here. They're local kids, and they're great people. And I can't imagine what it's like for them to feel caught in the crossfire between you know, the creative director they're working for and the company that pays their bills, and there must be so much confusion. So definitely my heart goes out to the, the guys that are affected by this. And I think the people who ultimately are being spoken about in the media, it doesn't matter what conspiracy is being thrown out there. It doesn't matter what's true or what's not true. It doesn't matter that he's trying to get out of a contract. Be a man. You signed a contract. Either quit, break up with it, and go to, go to draft a lawsuit, sue them, get your way out, or just suck it up and work hard. But I think the reality is like, there is no excuse and definitely condoning violence or condoning any anti-Semitic or any anti, any race, racial comments does not make sense. It's unacceptable and should be, this should be the response the world should have towards him. I just yeah, wish we would talk about it less, but we're talking yeah. about it now. And he should not get a pass with the asterisk of mental health. Because it seems like every time Kanye does something that's really offensive, and really unacceptable. He always gets the past of, well, he's a genius, but it's his mental health. I think there has to come a point where you take personal responsibility for the things you've said and things you've done. And you, um, you have to own it. You have to own it. So who's going to make him own it? Well, you know, in the end, he is experiencing the consequences of his choices being dropped by Adidas. Maybe that's what he wanted. It seems like it is what he wanted. Uh, but in the end, if you keep using vitriol 
and hatred and divisiveness as your strategy, it's going to cost you in the end. And unless he makes some real changes in his life, um, he's going to find himself incredibly alone and, and, and regretting all that he's lost because he's the only one burning all the bridges in his life. He's the one setting his own city on fire. You know, a lot of people have been canceled in the last few years. I don't know if anyone has quite successfully canceled themselves as effectively <laughs> as Kanye West. Yeah, I, I agree. But, uh, but I think we've spent enough time on Kanye, far more time than he deserves in this conversation. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Goodbye, Kanye. Yeah. It's adios. Yeah. Um, things to learn. I think, I, 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 shall we have a little like things to learn from the Kanye West situation or no? Yeah, sure. What did you learn? Uh, well, I think I'm still processing it. But one thing I, I mean, one obvious thing is that um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way of saying it more socially appropriate. But uh, if you're an idiot, don't say everything you think. Hmm. You, you know? Uh, yeah. I think it's with Mark Twain that, you know, <laughs> I mean, is it Mark Twain that basically says that uh, it's better to be thought of fool than to open your mouth and confirm it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if and, he said it, but it sounds good. <laughs> and I think this is one of the situations where, uh, hey, just because you have a thought, it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be articulated to the world. And, and but there's a deeper issue involved. It's like you, there needs to be a cultural heart check. Like when, when, the moment you start categorizing people and generalizing, it's, it's prejudice. The moment you start talking about every person in a cultural group, it's, it's racism, it's prejudice. And people need to be treated as individuals. I, I do not like when people talk about my group as Latinos as if we're all the same. It, you know, and and it's, it's okay if you're using humor about your own group. Yeah, you know, and um, I can, I, you know, I, I can make Latin jokes. I can make, you know, jokes about my own people, but when someone else is using generalizations to limit the expression of who we are as a people, it's really wrong. And um, and I think we need to learn from this. And why is it though that the Jewish people have historically had so many people who have hated them? And it, 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 it seems like the story of the Bible just continues from generation to generation to generation. And I, I have to wonder if some of it is just um, malice out of envy, that when you look at a people who have been enslaved throughout history, and yet somehow always emerge out of the rubble, out of the oppression, move toward economic well-being, um, elevate in every society, I mean, rather than being admired as a people, they're castigated and hated. And maybe the better thing is to learn the principles that have allowed such an extraordinary culture to emerge out of so much oppression all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I have no, I was just talking about this with, with a, a dear friend who is Jewish and asking her thoughts of, of, of what she thought of the situation. And in her response, I thought was, was very, um, was very unique. And she was like, look, I've lived a very privileged life. I understand my family has been really successful. We've had both ups and we've had both, we had both ups and downs moments where we had a lot moments. We didn't have a lot, but overall, I feel like I've lived a really privileged life. So if someone wants to throw stones at me, I go, yeah, I get it. Like you're, you're looking at what we've built and you, you want to criticize us. That doesn't affect how wonderfully I've been able to live my life. 
it just, you know, obviously it's not okay. It's not cool. It's not acceptable. You know, I, I don't want that person to succeed and, you know, they're not allowed inside of my workspace, but you know, I like, you know, what, what is that? It doesn't hurt me to hate. It doesn't help me to hate him. And that is a really interesting response. Um, I think, you know, people are drawing the line between him and Trump and him and Hitler and him and, you know, every person that's ever said an anti-Semitic thing. And, and I, I think that's where it gets a little out of hand. I don't think Kanye West is Hitler. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's like together enough. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he's pushing, piecing together an army. I think most people look at it going like, yeah, that's not cool. Like, we love your music. We love your art. We're entertained by your foolishness. But in this moment, I don't know that anyone's looking at Kanye as like a, as a thought leader anymore. I don't think anyone is ever looking at Kanye as a thought leader. I think he was looking there. He's looked at as a thought provoking artist who said, who used humor and music and sometimes fashion to um, stir the pot and have an interesting commentary on life. Uh, things we've learned. Yeah. Don't run your mouth. He could, I don't know if he's criticized BLM, but he could criticize some of his own culture before criticizing other cultures, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't mean you can't have uh, opinions, but I think the way he is expressing his opinions are inappropriate. So, you know, and also when you're yelling, it doesn't help. I feel like Adidas and Balenciaga and Gap, like they didn't learn a lesson. Like why would they let it go this far before dropping him? Why was he still the mouthpiece of all of those brands? I mean, I was reading an article, Brooke, on Denma. So he's the creative director of Balenciaga. He, uh, before he was at a brand called Vetmont, which is like, mm -hmm. it's spelled Vetmont, which is uh, uh, clothing for in French. And really cool, beautiful uh, uh, streetwear kind of couture brand. It was really amazing. I mean, Kanye went like, I think five or six years ago before Denma was huge, before Vetmont was huge. I'm saying that terribly but he wore a hoodie with Vetmont's on it, the front, to every fashion show for a week. And Kanye put him on the map. Like he was getting traction, but it's just different when Kanye West wears your hoodie and yeah. tells every, the entire world about it, right? Mm -hmm. He's a walking billboard for the brand. So I think he started up a relationship. I think Denma had a huge, um, a huge influence on, I think he was designing and helping him, like Cody Creative direct one of like Yeezy's biggest seasons. I think it was season three where he presented in like the cool lights and has, you know, it influenced a lot of people. So I think there's that loyalty of Demo going like, let me hang in there with him, mm -hmm. you know? And then it's like, okay, you're talking about my boss saying he murdered Virgil Abloh. Like there's, there's just no, that's just like, it's, there's, I think there's some things that are personal. And then when you cross it into business and really start affecting the business side, you go, okay, if we were really friends, you just wouldn't say that. Right. But it's also yeah. like you said, I feel bad for the employees who are having to deal with all of this, you know? Yeah, and it's I do. Like none of, but like none of those people that are his friends, they aren't singular entities. Like they represent hundreds of people making a living and creating a brand. And it, it honestly, it feels a little bit like a disservice to them just to that stay with this person just for, you know, a personal relationship's sake. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think, yeah. No, I think one of the things that to me it just reminds me of is that uh, this is really a reflection of someone who doesn't care about anybody except for himself. Mm -hmm. And when you care about other people, you mitigate your actions, your words, your decisions. And the more deeply you care about more people, the more you filter your your responses the more 
thoughtful you are, the, uh, the more meaningful your responses are. When you only care about yourself, you don't care about the damage you're doing. You don't care about how it affects other people. Yeah, it's just a reminder that in a very, very unique, in a very unique way, caring about people actually gives you wisdom. That when you don't care about anyone except yourself, you actually act like a fool. That's interesting. Because you. you don't think about how you're damaging other people. You don't think how it affects other people. Mm -hmm. You don't even think about the implications on other people's lives. Mm -hmm. But when you care about other people other than yourselves, when you care about uh, when you care about your family, you care about your friends, when you care about your employees, when you care about your customer, it actually uh, creates in you the, the necessary material to be wise. And I think sometimes we don't connect wisdom with, um, with concern. And when you only care about yourself, I can tell you, you're full. When you care about people, you actually grow in wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I do, I do think there's obviously like a level of mental health going on. And I think what's worst is that I think the mental health brings out stuff that's deep inside of his mind, stuff that yeah. maybe he wouldn't say if he was healthier, but he might think or believe or understand or have like a, you know, maybe a subconscious, a deep subconscious belief, uh, you know, about uh, the Jewish community. And so when he's in his most unhealthy state, your most unhealthy moments come out. You know, yeah. and I don't think it's who he really is. I think it's who he really is right now. And yeah. so this, it isn't this forever, you know, so I have a hard time when it's like, you know, let's, let's go back and talk about the, who was it? Like the propaganda, the head of propaganda, you know, for in Germany for Hitler. I don't think it's quite that, but what I do think is, 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 is when they can, when they make those comparisons, what I do think is good to acknowledge is that like, the reality is that when you let things grow and build, a dark fire emerges. Yeah. When you let little things like this be said and not go, look, man, you need a timeout. You need to do some work and you need to go and understand. In the same way that people who criticize the black community need to go and do some work and go and learn and go and understand, you know, you need to go and do this. And being black or being a creative or being mentally um, unstable is, are not excuses and do not justify the actions and the words right now um the, I agree. so anyways things i've learned don't say it out loud and if you if you need to work through it go to therapy and everybody <laughs> should love each other who who's who's the sideliner like what do you who's mean the denzel? like who's the denzel at the oscars in real life you know like the one saying you need to sit down and you need to stop talking. Who's that person? Because you're like they need to tell him. I'm like who? Who's gonna tell him? That's that's a that's a really good question, and it really comes down to who does he respect? Who will we listen to? If he doesn't respect anyone, he won't listen to anyone. Mm. And if he doesn't see yeah. anyone as his equal or his peer, um, he won't listen to anyone. And so, if you have a a highly narcissistic personality, uh, you're less likely to listen to people because you feel like people just don't get your genius. And, and it's, it's a really important self-check for all of us. If you don't listen to anyone, um, you have already set your compass toward, I'm going to live the life of a fool. Mm. And so it's really important to have people in your life that you respect, that you're willing to receive their input. And uh, it just make your it has, honestly, it'll make you happier too. In the end, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think Kanye is happy. 
I, I don't think he is enjoying his life. I don't think he has a sense of fulfillment. Uh, I think what we're watching is misery, public display. Yeah. And I, I do think, yeah, he's posting a lot of text messages and who knows if that was real, but I do think there's been people who try to reach out. You know, I think there has been leaders in the black community who are influential, powerful, wealthy, who are peers of his, friends of his, and have gone as far back as he has in the community and in the, I guess, like the hip hop rap culture. Um, and it seems like he was just, he just seems like he's burning bridges, but it's also, that seems like a part of like maybe his bipolar nature yeah. um, with it, you know, prayers go out to him, but also, you know, it's probably time for him to have a change up of heart and maybe some um, a humbling moment. Hopefully this is a humbling moment for him. And he realizes that, you know, obviously never want anything bad to happen. Um, okay. So let's jump into it. I think this is a great, I think it's a great starter because we're really going to talk about the frequencies of communication. And, I, and, I, and I, Because I think Kanye speaks at a certain frequency and we've talked about it. And a lot of the but, people that we listen to in the media speak in different frequencies. We all speak in different frequencies. And it's crazy that you came up with this idea of the seven frequencies of communication. Yes, but I also think that with Kanye, since we're transitioning from Kanye to the seven frequencies of communication, that, uh, yes, I've created this, um, this system, this um, matrix that helps us understand the seven frequencies of human communication, um, how people hear, um, what frequencies are most effective in different environments, and also discover the personal frequency from which um, you speak from, that I speak from. But every frequency has a shadow. And when the frequency is focused externally and toward connecting toward others, the frequency operates at its highest level and the bringing light. And when the frequency is turned inwardly toward ourselves, it actually um, elevates darkness. And so I think it's really important to note that a person can speak on the same frequency as someone else, but when the frequency is externalized or internalized, it can be experienced in a completely opposite way. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so here's, here's the interesting thing, right? We're talking about all the different frequencies that we are. Um, I, I was listening to you. You were consulting. So, you know, a little on the side, on the side, maybe our main thing is that we consult and that you consult and that you have kind of a mastermind program where you go in with corporations or businesses, fairly large businesses, and you do like these one day breakdowns of people's personality, how they work together, how they team together and how they can kind of unlock certain specific geniuses inside of themselves or genius elements inside of themselves to build a better business, to build a better team, to have better character, to have better community. And it's really cool because our first clients, I'm saying ours because like I'm a proud mother son, um, <laughs> our first client, it, we just did their second session. We're doing a session a quarter. And the first session, you broke some brains. Minds were broken. That's Ideas true. were shattered. And the, the thing that I love about this crew of guys is that, like, I really resonate with them. They'll raise their hand and be like, yo, what does that mean? I don't understand it. Or, hey, how can I get a hold of it? How can I unlock it? How can I find mm -hmm. these things? And then me and you kind of after the first session, we went back and we started talking. Like, if, if there were to be, you know, a prologue to the art of communication or a second chapter of the art of communication, what exactly would that be? And it's so crazy because I had kind of commissioned you. I was like, look, could you come up with like a one page thing we could just give away for free and just 
pique people's interest. My man came back with four hours of content <laughs> and was like, yeah, no, this isn't like a, a giveaway thing anymore. This is like a thing thing. Like I'm building the next five years of my life on this construct in reality of the seven frequencies of communication. There's seven different ways every human communicates. Which one are you and what frequency do you enjoy listening to? And the best part is that in session two, you know, I was telling them, I'm like, how did you spend eight hours with these people and not tell them about the, the one product that we have? And he goes in front of them and he, he tells them all about this. Then I'm listening to the room. I'm like, these people are leaned in. The trust has been built. People are leaned in. These guys are hilarious. They're fun. They're go-getters. They're with the Wild West. And at the end of his like, you know, five minutes, a guy raises his hand and goes, all right, so you told us what it is. Where do we get it? And I had no idea. <laughs> and you're like, this is the part. So I want to, I want you to do a couple of things. I want you to just kind of give us like a few minutes on the seven frequencies and why it's so important. Yeah. What has been really fun and exciting in developing this process has been the test marketing um, aspect of it. And that I get to be around some of the world's best communicators, uh, people who are paid a ridiculous amount of money. What's a ridiculous amount uh, of to money? Speak. Give people a, a con, a con, like a concept. Hundred thousand dollars to speak for 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing. It's pretty common. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And uh, you know, if you, if you add it up, you know, you can actually, you know, you can make a living. And <laughs> if I did that one time, <laughs> I would run away. <laughs> I did it and gone forever. Yeah, speak one time to vacation the rest of the year. <laughs> okay, so talk to us. Tell us how you developed it. So, uh, well, some of it was because you asked me to do this uh, 15-minute, you know, um, teaser giveaway. And I just really started ruminating on what do people need? I've been, I've been helping people through the six and a half hours of art of communication. We did the 10-week live q and I've been interacting with uh, top communicators around the world. And I felt almost like uh, George Lucas. I gave you, um, I gave you the meat and I didn't give you the prequel. And, um, and so many ways, the seven frequencies is the prequel to the art of communication. It is almost the entryway because what I felt like is, is people needed to have a way of understanding their communication frequency. They needed to understand um, not structure and style only, not how to put together a talk. They need to understand that human communication is a, an actually a mystical experience, that humans are connecting at a deeply intrinsic level. And when you communicate in the most powerful way, you are eliminating the space between you and another human being. You are actually connecting with uh, soul to soul and psyche to psyche. And, and, and some of the more simple um, explanations of this is, have you ever gotten to hear someone that someone else invited you to hear? And they said, this person changed my life. You're going to love this. And then you go hear that person and it doesn't speak to you at all. It doesn't connect to you at all. And you're thinking, what is wrong with this person? Why do, you, why do they think this person is so awesome? And what's happening is that that speaker is speaking at the frequency of your friend, but they're not speaking at your frequency. 
And then other times you hear someone and it just absolutely resonates with you. It just connects at the deepest level. And you feel like they're talking just to you. And in that moment, you realize that somehow that person has spoken on your wavelength. They've spoken on your frequency. And, and then I began to notice that people who are very early on in the communication journey, they're, uh, if I could put this uh, in a play, but they're novices. They're just getting started. They're usually not just flat in, the, in, uh, in their approach. It's funny when, when you, someone tries to not be monotone, they might yell the whole time. They don't realize that yelling the whole time is actually being monotone. Or they might uh, speak softly the whole time. That's being monotone. And so monotone isn't just one tone. It can be any tone that is used the entire time. And so I hear speakers who just yell the entire time, and they think that's dynamic, but it's not. It's just monotone, just like a person who's speaking in a boring, flat rate. And frequencies can actually, in some ways, become monotone. When you only have one frequency that you use, you're not accessing the multiple frequencies. Oh, Hey, love. She can't Wait, hear you. But he's, yeah, but she says, she says, he says, hi. 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 You look beautiful today. <laughs> she says, you look beautiful today. And that was Mariah McManus, the best of us. The best of us. <laughs> he's, oh, she was trying to, she thought you were in the office. He's at his house. <laughs> he's at the house. Oh, that's so funny. Leave this, leave this in, leave this in. <laughs> oh that's so funny oh she's coming in to say hi to me thanks for crashing the podcast right okay all right guys all right. keep going keep going and uh, let me see if i can pick up oh yeah so when a person is a novice they're using one frequency and if they use it well they can connect to people who actually connect to that frequency but as you develop your communication skills you actually begin to access other frequencies in your approach in your style um, in your um, in, in your your skill and art of communication, and so what I wanted to do this isn't like a personality assessment where you have a personality and that's your personality all your life, or um, some kind of um, psychological indicator that basically tells you where you're at permanently. It's not a permanent structure. Mm-hmm. There is a core frequency from which everyone speaks, and and they're not the same. Okay, you, you could be one of any of the seven, but what I want to do is help people identify their core frequency. And then identify the cluster of frequencies that are most naturally around their communication style. And to begin to access those frequencies and to use those frequencies effectively when they're speaking to an audience. And really what you want to do when you get to uh, a really high level of communication skill, when it becomes an art to you, you, you're able to read the room and you're able to read the audience and know what frequency the room hears from best. And then access that frequency from which to speak from. So I'm really excited. I don't know if I've ever created something that I think will be so easily accessible and it will have almost immediate effect and implications. Uh, last week, I was at an event in um, Indian Wells with Ed Milet, um, the business guru. And um, in fact, he just wrote a book, uh, The Power One More, sold 400,000 copies, I think, in the first month. Insane. And he has millions of people listen to him. Uh, on his podcasts and television shows. And, and I know when I did his podcast, he said that there were 6 million downloads of that singular podcast. And uh, incredible communicator, incredibly gifted. The night before, I was walking him through the seven frequencies and immediately 
he began to pick up the language. Immediately, it, it began to resonate. And I was able to show him how he had two very unique frequencies that seemed to almost be conflicting, but that he uses them at the same time. And that's a part of the reason his communication style is so powerful. And, and all of a sudden, everyone in the room was going, okay, wait a minute, what's my frequency? Okay, you know, and, and we all started trying to talk about the different frequencies and, and different people in, in the room and how they would oftentimes have one frequency that was similar, but another frequency was dissimilar. And that's what made them even more different and more the same at the same time. So I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to give people handles to where to start and how to grow. Okay. And we're also working on like a little assessment where people can like take the test yep. and find out you know, the, the frequencies that they resonate with. Yes. I yeah. think it's exciting. I, I'm, are, I'm so excited. Are some of them better than others or are yes. they all equally great? No. Like, should you be bummed <laughs> if you get one? Yeah. Be honest. Brooke, yours, yours yes. is the best one. <laughs> Thank you. Brooke just needed that for her soul. Um, do you no, want to walk us? Oh, go, go, go. No, I was going to say, I think like people are going to like rank them or they're going to hear about them and be like, oh, I want to be this one. And then if they get another one, it's like, it's still equally good because it's yours. Yeah. Here's, here's the, the way I would say it, Brooke. Wait, hold uh, on. Do you want to go through the seven frequencies real quick? No, I, I want to answer her question about, is there one that's better than the other? <laughs> you say I never answer questions and I'm going to answer her question. Okay. Brooke, you're a musician, and you know yeah. on, um, on a guitar, the strings are not the same thickness. Mm -hmm. And so the, the thickness or thinness of the string determines the note that it's able to play. Mm -hmm. And there are certain chords that are more common, like everyone learns how to play C, G, and D. And it's pretty mm -hmm. much the first three. Mm -hmm. And... If you had to break down songs, you know, it seems like 80% of songs are written with C, D, G. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. And then you might, you know, go off and add an A minor to it or an E minor. Or if you want to go crazy, then you go F, right? And, uh, and, and you notice that as the song becomes more complex, the chords leave the major chords and um, become more nuanced. It's the same this is the so complicated. It's the same way with the seven frequencies. There are some frequencies that are more common than other frequencies. Hmm. And so it's not a question of whether one frequency is better than another frequency. It's are the frequencies more common than other frequencies? And the answer is yes. And here's the upside and the downside. If your frequency is a more common frequency, that means more people will naturally hear you in your frequency because okay. it's more common to them too. If you have a more rare frequency, you are more rare, but fewer people will resonate with your frequency. Mm -hmm. So there's an upside to both. You go, wait a minute, I don't wanna be common, but do you wanna be heard and understood by the masses? Do you wanna be able to move the masses? To move the masses, a more common frequency is, a, is the more effective frequency. If you wanna have a more rare frequency, which you don't really get to choose your sort of, this is intrinsic, but if you have more rare frequency, you might go, wow, I'm more rare. You go, yes, fewer people will resonate. With rare and alone. Yeah. yeah. That's and literally that's, what I was going to say. <laughs> you're rare and alone, or you're not yeah. rare and you have so many friends. <laughs> it's really, really true. 
And so the so here's an example of that. If you have the rarest frequency, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not gonna say what it is. Mm. And is it Aaron's? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. He, he, uh, he no, he has a very strong frequency. And um, um, but if you have the rarest frequency and you're satisfied with only speaking to a small group of people, then that's the only frequency you'll ever need. But if you want to speak to a large group of people, you better pick up one of the more common frequencies that allows you to bring your rare frequency in uh, in concert with that more common one so you can speak to a larger audience. So, okay, so do you want to walk us through the seven frequencies real quick or no? Okay. You, you think I should? How about if yeah. I just walk through a few of them? No, I think you should say all the different ones. All right. Okay. I'm going to walk you through this, um, the seven frequencies. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Um, the first one I highlight is the motivator. I'm not going to tell you everything about the motivator, but it's, it's self-explanatory. Um, the, the person with the frequency of a motivator is an encourager. They're enthusiastic. They're an inspirer. Uh, people listen to motivators because they make them feel good about life, about themselves. Uh, you know when you're around a motivator because they're really not telling you what's wrong with you in any way. They're telling you what's right with you. They're telling you the, the good that can happen in your life. They're telling you um, why you should be optimistic and positive. And, uh, and, and in some sense, if, if you're a motivator, your, your POV is people need me to lift them up. And your drive is, I, I, I must bring energy to the room. I need to energize people um, to their greatness, to be, you know, to their full selves, to be fully alive. You're shaking your head, Aaron. I'm biting my tongue. I don't want to reveal what the four of us are. I want people, right. I want to play a fun game next episode. And I would say the marker, for the, the marker for the motivator is, do others look to you for encouragement? Hmm. And there's um, a basic need that motivators are trying to meet. They're bringing energy. That's the basic need, trying to bring energy to the room. But the high need that, that motivators are actually bringing is self-belief. They believe that people could believe in themselves. They could accomplish uh, anything. But the shadow of a motivator, and this is where the energy goes inward, not outward. It's not, ser- it's not about service. It's about self, um, is that the motivator becomes the performer. So when you're watching someone on stage, on the platform, and have you ever watched someone in one moment, they feel really authentic, sincere, they're motivating you, and the next moment they feel inauthentic and insincere, and it feels like they're performing? That's because yes. it's, it's an early developed uh, motivator who hasn't learned how to keep the energy outward rather than inward. Hmm. I don't know if people are ready for this, psychologically, <laughs> emotionally. And the culture that motivators create, because all communicators create culture, is they, they create a positive, optimistic culture. Okay, we're definitely not going to get through all of these right now, because that was maybe one of the best descriptions. But essentially, in the course, you talk about what you kind of just talked about right now. You also talk about the dark side of a motivator. Yeah. Yes. The shadow side of a motivator. And then you mm-hmm. go into some other things. Do you want to pick one other one? Yeah. Let me pick Brooks. Wait, I said don't reveal who's who. Okay. And I won't <laughs> okay. pick Brooks. No, no, no. Let's no, leave it out because I want to know what he says. No, pick Brooke. <laughs> pick Brooke. Pick Brooke. No, I'll tell you what. I might pick Brooke or Aaron. No, we know what I am. 
And uh, we'll let Austin decide who I'm describing. Now. <laughs> All right. All right. Let me go through. Pull one up. Pull one up. No, 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 no. This is all. all right. This is all just posturing. Oh, I all wonder. All posturing for him. <laughs> He's about to flame me right now. No, no, no. Here we go. Okay. Uh-huh. Another frequency, different than the motivator. Okay. Is the commander. If you say so. Now the commander uh, has, has more of a um, an authoritarian style of communication. They're mm. uh, they execute, they direct, and they lead, and and their postures people need to be led, uh, and, and their their internal narrative is people listen uh, because I carry authority and someone needs to be in charge, and so when people listen because you carry authority and are in charge, you know that you're using commander frequency. Your point of view is people need me to tell them what to do and what must be done. Your drive is I must move people to action. And the marker to know if you're a commander is do others look to you to tell them what to do? And I remember once I was talking to a person with a high commander and he said, I don't want to lead. People just always look to me to lead. And which wasn't actually accurate. That's just how they would read the room. They would read the room that someone needs to be in charge. And I seem to be the best equipped to do it. So I'm going to be the commander on the ship. <laughs> and the basic need of the commanders trying to infuse into a room is trust. They know that people will not follow them if there's not trust. And so they're trying to evoke trust by having authority, having knowledge, having competency, having expertise. They're saying, I know what to do. Trust me and do what I ask. Does that make sense? It may not be do what I ask, it's do what I say. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the shadow of the commander, uh, by the way. No, 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 don't tell the shadow, don't tell the shadow. People gotta get, people gotta get it to get it. All right, by the way, I was gonna say, you need a commander if if you're at sea and the storm hits, you want a commander who takes charge. You do not want consensus. You do not want democracy. You do, you do not want team think. You want someone who knows how to survive the storm. You have a motivator doing it. <laughs> you guys can do this. You can do it. You can do it. You what? Yes. Great job, Jimmy. You're swimming now. And um, you need a commander when you're in crisis. And someone has to be an expert to get you out of that crisis. You need a commander in a military organization. When you're at war, you're in the front lines, that commander can't be asking everyone's opinion for how to win that battle. And so this is a very positive and very powerful frequency. But you have to have people who are inclined to hear that frequency as the frequency they need. And I can remember so many times, Mariah would say to me, Dad, I don't need Yoda. I don't need you to zen me. I just need you to tell me what to do. And that was her begging for a commander frequency <laughs> from me. Do you need a you don't commander? Want me to give you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. You don't want me to give you the shadow? We're going to save that for the course? Save it. Save it. All right. It. I'm not going to give you any more. 
Okay, so can I do what I wait, do? Wait, Brick was going to ask something. Okay. Just really quick. Our commander's needed in any situation that is not life or death. Is there space <laughs> for a commander in everyday life in the carpool lane? And <laughs> Milo, go get the peanut butter. Hey, we haven't decided. It's me. <laughs> it might be you. It's me. Yes. No, you know what? IBM, a lot of corporations, the CEOs, they're commanders. And, and so oftentimes, um, the reason they elevate is because when other people are trying to wait for permission to lead, they just let. Mm-hmm. When other people were waiting to give their input, they just gave it. When other people were waiting for their opportunity to be called up, they just called themselves up and took over. And, uh, and what will drive people crazy is they'll go, who does she think she is taking control? And she does, and she gets hired. <laughs> so, yes, everyday life, everyday business, but it's not a frequency you want to operate 24-7. It's, okay. it's not a frequency you want with your husband, Brooke. It's mm-hmm. not a frequency you want with your child all the time. No, and Aaron, this is all for you. This is probably yours. <laughs> so. Thank you for, thanks, Brooke. I was really wondering. <laughs> all right are we gonna do one more we're we gonna be are we good i think we're i think we're pretty good all right you guys feel good it's a good taste yeah. it's a good yeah. taste it's yeah. a good little it's a good this is a good little little like little like you know throw a cheeto puff in their mouth yeah and and for me what's exciting is to realize oh let's just take the two we talked about motivator commander imagine if he had those two frequencies available to you all the time where you knew yet. exactly when to inspire people, when to encourage them, when to um, elevate them. Um, and then you knew exactly when to bring in command, when to call people out, when to tell them what to do. If you had mastery over just commander and motivator as two frequencies, uh, you would be a high-powered 10 out of 10 world-class leader. Hmm. Or at least a communicator. Yeah. And again, okay. the primary, primary skill of all great leaders is thinking and communicating. It makes sense why I struggle. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Everybody who's just listened to this and their jaw is on the floor and they're going, I've always wanted to be part of art of communication. And now I have my opportunity to be part of the seven frequencies of communication. I just want to tell you right now how to get it, how you can be a part of it and how you can learn all about everything that we're doing at the exact moment we're doing it, go to theartofcommunication.org and fill out, put your email and hit subscribe and you join our mailing list because by the time this is out, we are probably going to be releasing some early bird pricing to only people who are on that newsletter mailing list. And like it's, we're giving like massive, massive discounts on the early bird pricing. Um, if you were part of it last time, it was more expensive. This time, it's, I think, much more accessible for people who've always wanted to be a part of it. And we're also bundling both modules. So Art of Communication, the seven frequencies, we're marrying them and bundle packing them in the greatest bundle pack of all time. It's so cheap. I mean, it's expensive, but it's so cheap. It's so, so it's cheap. It's not cheap. It's inexpensive. It's still high value product. All I'm saying is that it's better. It's better for you. If you're cheap, this is the right time to buy it. No, if you're, if you're, no, 
if you're trying to save money, if you're like, man, I've yes. always want to be a part of it, this is the time for you. And honestly, we want to like reward people who are like in on everything that we do. So join the mailing list because we're like sneak, we're like doing a sneak release to everybody who's on that mailing list. And basically pay attention because the seven frequency is about to take over. Yep. And I just had a thought. Tell, tell us the thought. But you can buy this on November 4th. But when you get it on November 4th, it might be a little expensive. And guess what? Dad, guess what? What's guess, that? What, guess what you're doing? <laughs> we're, it's four hours of content on the seven frequencies. But we're also doing four live Q&A sessions Woo! that are roughly about an hour. Usually goes a little longer for four weeks after the release of this. So that first month, if you buy it right away, you get access to the Facebook private community group where that pops off and everybody's talking about the different types of communication, seven frequencies, I'm in it, dad's in it, Austin's in it, Brooks in it, we're in it. And then also you get to be a part of the live Q&A sessions, the four of them. And I just cannot wait till we uh, invite a few special guests to for you to break them down and let everybody know what seven frequencies they are. We did a version of that for Art of Calm and it was incredible. It was juicy. It was dramatic. It was thought provoking. It was anxiety building, but it was just the best. All right. Hey, I got to go catch a plane to Seattle. Okay. <laughs> have a good, have a good, have a good afternoon. Uh, fly safe. And I'm going to hang out with Brooke and Austin and get some work done. All right. Man, I enjoy. Can't wait. Let's go. Bye, guys. Communication. Woo! All right. Thank you guys for listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. We're so grateful for you. Uh, if this is your first time listening, do us a favor and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. You can give us five stars. And you can go to YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube. We've got 4,000 people on the YouTube. YouTube it. Watching us. I got a little nice part down the middle of my hair and I got little like wings and stuff. And dad's wearing an orange shirt and Brooke looks amazing as always. Austin's got a little beard, but you wouldn't know that unless you checked out the YouTube and hit subscribe, hit subscribe, leave us a comment and let us know you're listening. Capiche? Capiche. Capiche.